Leviticus chapter 8, the consecration of Aaron and his sons. Well, they, were gathered to, they gathered all the congregation together, verse 3, and remember that congregation there in the Septuagint is this word ecclesia, which is translated church in the New Testament. Assemble all the ecclesia together at the door of the tent of meeting. And then, verse 6, Moses brings Aaron and his sons, washes them with water, and puts white robes on them. Now, this in essence is a baptism service. There's the, uh, the congregation there in witness, and they are baptized in water, and then they are clothed in white raiment. Well, that's exactly what uh, picture you've got in Romans 6, where we, we read about clothing ourselves with Christ, and elsewhere in the New Testament, about being clothed with Christ, about being given new garments at, at baptism. So we then put that together with the fact that, according to First Peter 2, uh, 5, we are the royal priesthood, that we are no longer to look at all this information about Aaron and his sons and think, yes, well, that was just uh, them, how it was back then. All this is speaking of you and me, because we are this new priesthood. And he then, uh, after this, verse 10, takes the anointing oil, and anoints the tabernacle and goes on to anoint, verse 12, Aaron's head, and then, verse 13, his sons. Now, <clears throat> this idea of being anointed, 2 Corinthians 1, 22, He who has anointed us is God. We also have been anointed in that we are in Christ, and Christ, of course, means the, the anointed one. All that is true of him in some sense becomes true of us, just as whatever was done to Aaron here was also done to his sons. So then we're set up here, inevitably, to see all this as speaking of you and me. We who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism, who have been baptized into Christ, and who have likewise been uh, washed uh, clothed in, in linen garments and anointed. He who has anointed us is, is God, Paul says about us. And someone like Paul, so steeped in the law, that clearly had his mind on this kind of passage. So then, what was all this for? This was to prepare them for serving God. This was giving them a commission to go and spend a lifetime serving God. Now, that's what happened when we were baptized. And I want to emphasize that, that baptism is not simply something that you do when you started a set of theology, a set of doctrines, or whether you, you come across a church or an ecclesia which you like, and you like the people, and uh, you feel that, yeah, this is kind of my home, and, well, what's the signing on the dotted line? What's the ritual that I do to show that, yes, I think you're good people? Yes, I think that this doctrine is, is correct. Oh, I must be baptized? Sure. This is, is not the case. The whole idea of baptism is that this is a consecration of us in order to go forth and serve God. And we are to do the work of, of the priests in serving God uh, and serving his people, etc. Baptism, therefore, and our whole uh, membership in the, in the community of God is not, therefore, just a sign, as I say, that we've ticked all the boxes. Neither is it an end. It is a beginning. 
And we need to remember that because it's so easy to think that, you know, I have been baptized. Yes, I did uh, what I was supposed to do, that I studied the Bible and I perceived this, that I must be baptized, and so I did it. Yeah, but that is just one part of a whole process which is to lead you and I not simply to God's kingdom, but to eternal service of him. The idea of us being washed with water, of course, sends us to Hebrews 10. And I would just like to to read from there, Hebrews 10, um, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, having boldness to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the way which he dedicated for us, a new and living way through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. You remember how when the Lord died, the veil in the temple was rent. And having a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in fullness of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good works. So then, the priests were brought near to God, and that idea is in the Old Testament quite clearly, that these were the ones whom God caused to draw near unto him. And let us draw near, verse 22, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The whole passage here in Hebrews 10 is talking about how the priests went into the holy place to work. It's not that because we have understood a set of uh, theological truths about the kingdom of God, the nature of God, of man, of of the Lord Jesus, uh, sin, uh, Satan, etc., that therefore we signed up. Uh, to this by being baptized we are being led to service to do something and not just one or two things but to live a life that is totally dedicated to his service because that's what priesthood was about was it not a life dedicated to his service so we need to ask ourselves is that the spirit of my life Or is the religious aspect of my life just one part, that I'm totally caught up with uh, the things of this world, but, you know, I also do go to church on a Sunday, and you know what, I even read the Bible now and again. The, The whole spirit that we're getting out of this is of total dedication, just like the priests. They they weren't part-timers, but this was a total dedication. And as I say, we are the new priesthood. It's not that uh, there is a, a group of specialists within the ecclesia, within the body of, of Christ, who are to do all this work, and we are to just kind of support them. That was the Old Testament. We are this spirit, this, uh, this new priesthood. And th- that's a, a huge idea. And it was a big idea for people in the first century who had, uh, like the Hebrews maybe, had grown up in a Jewish system thinking that, yeah, all the service of God is done by the priests and I am a spectator at a show. This is not the case. We are that priesthood. And we can go right into the holy place. And in fact, uh, there are places in Hebrews that talk about us going into the most holy place that we are not only the priests, we are actually to do the work of the Lord Jesus himself. And all the work of the priesthood was in order to bring Israel to God, to bring others to God, not simply in the sense of, of preaching to the unbelieving world, but in helping each other, in helping others within the body of, of God's people to him. And you can do that 
in a million different ways. It's not all about evangelization. It is about encouraging people to, to come to meeting, going around, reading the Bible with people. It's about turning conversations round between you and other believers to something spiritual, rather than talking about the weather and the government and the rest of it. This is what the work of priesthood is. It's helping others spiritually. It's get, building up relationships with people to the point that they feel able to share with us maybe some of the issues that are barriers for them coming to God's kingdom. Now, we go on here in verse 12, that Aaron's head is anointed to sanctify him, and then the same is done for the sons. And throughout this chapter, we, we see that, that part of the, the ritual of consecration is done to Aaron, and then it is done to his sons. This is very much the spirit of John 17, what has been called, what has been called the high priestly prayer, where just before he dies, the Lord prays to the Father, and he has this theme of sanctification on his mind. And it's a good exercise to go through John 17 and try and pick up all these illusions, because just as Aaron stood there, was sanctified, and then he presented his sons, and they were sanctified, this is exactly the spirit of John 17, where the Lord Jesus is standing before God and saying, look, I sanctify myself so that they might be sanctified. You see in John 17, verse 6, he talks about the men whom you gave me. That's very much again the idea of the, the priests and the Levites being given to Aaron and to, and to God for his service. And then later on in John 17, verse 17, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth, 19, for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. 18, you sent me into the world, even so I send them into the world. In other words, they also are going to do my work. This is exactly the picture that we've got there in Leviticus 8, and I do wonder if the Lord didn't... Well, I, I, I do believe that he, he consciously had Leviticus 8 in mind when he was saying all this because all the talk about sanctification or consecration is exactly what we've got here in Leviticus 8 so then the purpose of the death of Jesus was not simply to get us off from the result of our sin <clears throat> the purpose of his death was to sanctify us to consecrate us and that doesn't just mean to make you holy the idea of holiness is both of separation from, for example, sin and uh, the unbelieving world, and separation unto something. That someone is being sort of singled out and prepared to do something. And we have been sanctified. That does not simply mean we have been forgiven of all our dirt and our sin. If that's how we understand sanctification, we're we're not only missing the point of the, uh, of the word as a word in Hebrew and Greek, but we are missing, uh, I think, the whole point, really, of his death for us. It is so that we might serve. It's so that we might do his work. So the picture of Aaron standing there with his sons and everything that was happening to him then being repeated to them in the, in the ritual, as we've seen throughout this chapter, uh, that is exactly the spirit of the Lord Jesus as he faced the cross. I am going to go through this, I sanctify myself, that they might be sanctified.
consecrated. Um, as I say, the idea of the word means you've been separated and, and called out to do something, to be something. Not simply forgiveness and, you know, you got let off from your sins. I think that needs to be emphasized because we quite rightly feel a lot of concern about our sins, but it's not simply that we have been forgiven, so few, thank you Jesus, you got me off my sin kind of thing. Um, we have we have been forgiven, of course, but we have been sanctified, consecrated to do his work. All this was uh, done, verse 15, with the blood being poured out at the base of the altar. And I, I do have this uh, idea that when the Lord Jesus died, his uh, blood would have flown, of course, down, downwards by, by gravity, um, from the wounds in his body, from the whipping on his back, and, of course, finally, the, uh, the spear thrust into his side, from which flowed blood and water. And at the bottom of the cross, there would have been this, this blood. And the whole idea of that was not simply, oh dear, that's how the Lord Jesus died. The whole idea was that this was part of the process of our consecration to service. You'll see in verse 14 that at the start of their consecration, there had to be a sin offering. And then verse 18, the burnt offering. And every time throughout all the, the mosaic rituals, the sin offering comes first, and then the burnt offering. The idea was very clearly that <clears throat> before you can make the dedication to God, the total dedication of which the burnt offering spoke, there must first of all uh, be that recognition of sin. And it is on that basis that all true service to God is done. And God may work through your sin in order to bring you to a point where you are ready to make that dedication. And whatever, the important thing is that we really feel our sinfulness and the wonder of the fact that we have been forgiven. Without that, you will not really have a lasting motivation to do this lifetime work of service. Just being motivated by various uh, motivators, uh, which uh, inspire you for the moment, you know, going to uh, mix with some very upbeat, uh, committed Christian people, and then, you know, you get uh, upbeat yourself, and you, yeah, you, you make a bit of a, an effort, but then it soon dies away, doesn't it? You need the next Bible school, the next conference, the next whatever, to sort of lift you up again. The only lasting and deep motivation is from a personal conviction of sin, that I have been forgiven. So, in, this, um, in all these sacrifices, you see different elements of the, the, uh, the work of Jesus. Um, verse 21, the burnt offering is burnt up. And then there's another part to the, that ritual. Uh, there's another ram. Verse 22, the ram of consecration. And Aaron and his sons laid their, their hands on the head of that ram to identify themselves with that ram. So then, it seems to me that we're being taught here that out of the death of Jesus, there arises a call to consecration. That we cannot be passive to his death. And because of that, the, uh, the blood of that second ram was put on Aaron's right ear of 23, right hand, right foot. 
And then, as usual, the whole thing was repeated, 24, for his sons. The idea surely is that everything that we see, our perceptions, all that we do with our hand, wherever we go, with our feet, this is to be influenced by the fact that he died for me. But never again can we see this world in the same way. And, you know, that of course affects, I suppose, what we look at. It affects who we mix with, where we go, and what you do with your hand, with your strength. That's the Hebrew idea, really, of the hand, of what you do with, with your strength in this world. Whether you spend your life chasing your hobbies, little fascinating things you'd like to do, or just places you'd like to go, or whether the fact that Jesus died for me means that his blood is somehow over my eyes, it's on my foot, it's on my hand, and all that I do, and anywhere I go, be it in career, be it where you live, what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you buy, all these things are influenced by this fact that he died for me. And part of the ritual includes, <clears throat> verse uh, 26, uh, taking the, the unleavened bread. And that, of course, I think looks forward to the, the breaking of bread, uh, whereby we, I guess, remind ourselves of this consecration that we have received. Well, in that state uh, of uh, being newly consecrated, verse 33, they were to be seven days outside the door of the tent of meeting, waiting to go in. Now, Hebrews 10 seems to say, it's done. You can go in now and do your service. But I do also wonder whether the seven days looks forward to God's 7,000-year plan with this earth. And in one sense, we have gone in to the holiest, and we are already about God's service. But it's one of those uh, many times where you have a sense of uh, we are to... Um, understand that we, in a sense we are there. In a sense we have been redeemed and we are doing the work of the redeemed now. In another sense, not yet. We are 15, uh, sorry, 35, staying at the door of the tent of meeting day and night, seven days, keeping Yahweh's command. And then, at the end of the seven days, in you go. So the whole, the whole process of what we're going through including, if I'm right in talking about seven days of the 7,000-year plan of God, uh, including the 1,000 years of the millennium. Even that is a preparation of us for eternal service. That this, in essence, is what God's kingdom, in the sense of the eternity, shall be all about. And, of course, we start that in our hearts now by saying, look, I am heart and soul dedicated to doing your work right now.